Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Odyssey celebrates Mother's Day. Brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. Hi, this is Jordan Moreno, and this is The Valley Now. Your weekly feel-good hour where we lift each other up with the stories of good people doing good things in your neighborhood. Every week, we'll be talking with community leaders who have a unique passion for our thriving city and those that make the Valley such a special place to live. Get ready to be inspired by the work they're doing, whether it's mentoring our youth, providing a platform for those without one, or just driving those worthy charitable causes. Listen in on the conversations and join us in raising our community. This is our time to shine, and this is The Valley Now. Good morning, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of The Valley Now. Summer is officially here, which is brutal for obvious reasons. But something that we might not think of initially is the issue of food insecurity, and that is so real. So today, United Food Bank CEO Jason Reed is joining me to talk about their programs, how they're fighting this, and just talking about you too. I'm interested to talk about you. Good morning. Thanks for being here. And Good morning, Jordan. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, well, I guess tell me about you. You're kind of somewhat new in this CEO role. How'd you get here and how's it been going so far? Yeah, so so thank you. Yeah, so I've been uh, the new CEO here for all of 90 days. So I am definitely <laughs> sort of brand new to the role, getting to know everybody here, uh, as well as getting to know uh, everyone in the community, such as yourself, Jordan. So thank you uh, just for the opportunity to to talk to you. And uh, it's been wonderful to get to know many of our partners, um, both corporate partners, business partners, but also just our, our community partners, local churches and um, local food pantries, uh, who are just doing great work every day to help us feed uh, uh, Arizonans who are experiencing need. What is your background? Yeah, so uh, my background. I started my career uh, up in uh, up in New York City. Basically, I started uh, doing sort of strategy and marketing consulting. Uh, so my clients were mostly food and healthcare companies. So your more famous ones like Kraft Foods, General Mills, Pfizer, GlaxoSmithKline, Johnson and Johnson, things like that. Um, so I got to do a lot of work, uh, just kind of uh, understanding those industries well. Uh, but I long wanted to do social impact uh, work, and so I made a transition about 13 years ago to join a food bank, just like the United Food Bank, uh, but up in Minnesota uh, and uh, up there. So just doing work to intersect uh, different uh, sectors like government or corporations uh, or farmers or healthcare systems, you know, and how do we sort of fight hunger together uh, too? So so I got to do that for a good eight years. And then uh, I joined uh, St. Vincent de Paul uh, here in Arizona and Phoenix too. So I was there for the last four years, uh, just doing more business and digital transformation work. Uh, and so, yeah, and, and just signed up for this role. I uh, was elected to this role. Uh, 90 days ago. So I'm excited to be here. Yeah, you know food and you're so friendly for a New York guy. <laughs> that was sort of my first job, but I did grow up in the Midwest in Minnesota originally. Okay, so is. I do have the Midwestern uh, Minnesota nice as they call it. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's, I'm definitely pulling more of that than the New yeah. York. Like, oh, wait, yeah. what? <laughs> <laughs> 
And now running one of the state's largest food banks. Tell me about the mission of United Food Bank and then some of your key focus areas in those programs. Yeah. So our mission at the United Food Bank is to unite communities to alleviate hunger in Arizona. So basically our role is to work closely with your local churches, schools, uh, community partners. Uh, we, and we serve together uh, about 50,000 meals every day to families, to seniors uh, who are experiencing hunger. So our job as a food bank is one of the larger food banks. Um, we're part of a national network called Feeding America. So we work with actually 200 peers across the country that are that are like us. And our, one of our primary roles is to bring in large quantities of food from grocery stores, from restaurants, from farmers, um, uh, and community food drives that you see, you know, in schools and, and other places. Uh, and we make sure that we get it to a family who needs it. So we kind of bring in the bulk food, we have our volunteers sort it down into smaller quantities, uh, and then we deliver that to local community partners who then give it uh, to, to families and seniors who need it as well. So that's kind of what the primary role is. And um, it's, a, it's an exciting place. And I think we're, we do about distribute about 21 million pounds of food. And about half of that is fresh food, uh, fresh, you know, nutritious uh, produce and other foods like that, too. So that's uh, one of the primary things that we do as a food bank. What sort of like stereotypes around a food bank would you challenge? I mean, you've been in the industry and you've seen it, you've worked with which again is very different personalities. I'd say working with a farmer versus working with a restaurant owner. How is how is that experience? And then how would you challenge those stereotypes that some kind of think of? Because when you mentioned fresh food, like, yeah, I think that would be a stereotype immediately that a lot of people just think it's canned food. And that's yeah. still not the case. Yeah, I think so. I think sometimes there's a yeah stereotype around like the quality of the food. Uh, so when you go to a, a pantry, it's like, you know, is this stuff like rotting or, you know, is this stuff mm -hmm. like not like safe to eat? And the answer is like, it's, of course, it's safe to eat. Um, so we, uh, we, we, we uh, comply to a standard called AIB and Basically, what that means is it's a gold standard for food safety. So we don't take anything that's not safe. Uh, we certainly don't distribute anything that's not safe to anyone, too. And so that's something I think uh, is a stereotype of like the food is high quality. Uh, and we we do, you know, work like with the generosity of like a farmer or of uh, a fries or other uh, companies that are our main partners out there uh, to be able to rescue and recover some of that food. Because sometimes the grocery stores, like they won't um, sell it. Uh, anymore. So if you think of like a banana that um, is it's on it's on your shelf and uh, it starts spotting brown a little bit, they'll take it off the shelf uh, because mm -hmm. it's not perfect anymore because people won't buy it because it doesn't look perfect. Uh, but that is that banana is plenty good to eat. Yeah. Uh, and so our job is basically to come quickly, uh, grab that along with a lot of other stuff all at once, and then same day bring that to uh, a local partner who then gives it to someone who needs it. So that's the kind of a stereotype I think that we sometimes we hear about from uh, folks uh, who don't maybe don't want to go to a food pantry. But that is something I think um, the, the food is safe and it's high quality. Uh, and if you need support, please reach out and ask for it. Oh, I love it. And I I hate food waste. Yeah. I hate it. It's, it's something that in my own home, I am constantly harping on my son. I'm harping on my husband, everyone, like everyone in this home, <laughs> we are not going to waste food. So I, I really appreciate you repurposing and 
even kind of giving that education of the banana with a couple spots on it is still delicious. Yes, that's right. Nutritious that's right. and wonderful. <laughs> yeah, I, absolutely. And I think um, one of the great benefits uh, that a lot of our business partners have is like when you when we recover and rescue that type of food, you know, that's also like water that's saved, it's energy that's saved from having it go into a landfill, you know. And so this case is like, you know, there's a lot of like people who uh, and businesses who win by just working with us in that yeah. regard, uh, because then you're also helping the environment and the planet as well. Yeah. And what does the population that you're serving look like? I think there's also a lot of misconceptions into truly who can benefit from a program like this. What does hunger in Arizona actually look like? Yeah. So I think um, what we have a term called food insecurity. So what that means is basically um, you um, you don't know where your next meal is going to come from. And so hunger can happen to anyone. And right now there's about one in every 10 people in Arizona uh, who are who are currently food insecure. But if you think of just like um, like for families in our community, like it only takes like one emergency for someone to not have enough money for food. You're being laid off from a job through no fault of your own or getting into a car accident or getting sick and having to pay a large bill from the emergency room. Like these things happen to everybody and everyone at uh, different points. And uh, but if you're someone who um, is not financially stable, um, doesn't have a lot of money in the bank account, then you start choosing between paying rent and paying for food, paying mm -hmm. car repairs and paying for food or paying medicine and paying for groceries. And so um, those kinds of trade-offs then happen a lot. And that's when you start to see hunger appear fairly quickly. So um, I think, so that's something I think just to consider of like, you know, many people are actually not far away from that. Uh, it just takes one uh, emergency for, for someone to, to fall into someone who actually needs food and needs some help. It really does. And that's a harsh reality. You know, I worked with um, families who were experiencing homelessness for a long time and heard the same thing that it is, we are all just one emergency away from having to choose between keeping a roof over our heads or feeding our families. And it makes us no less of a parent whatsoever. It is just kind of that harsh reality that as more and more people move into Phoenix, I'm sure you're seeing that need and those numbers rise as well. Yeah, I think I think that's right. Yeah. So as our population has grown, you're also seeing the need grow along with it. But that's not the only factor, of course. Um, certainly, I think recently um, inflation is having a big impact um, on it. So as you see prices rise at the grocery store. So if you remember like eggs not that long ago, they just went like through the stratosphere yes. <laughs> in terms of prices. Uh, and so, uh, you know, those kinds of things, but like there are all just the basic staples, you know, egg is a staple, you know, uh, mostly. Mm -hmm. And so there are a lot of things like that. And so um, I think we're, you know, also seeing just in, we're hearing it from public officials and from those in the community, like, um, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's having a lot of pressure on, on families and, and households right now to be able to, to meet those needs when it's so expensive to be able to buy them. And how has United Food Bank kind of met that call for those that are needing the help with the, the inflation prices? Because it it hurts. It hurts to even talk about it. It's insane. And, and you know, there's so much that is beyond our control. But within your organization, how are you guys kind of stepping up to help that? 
Yeah. So like um, one example I'd hold up is uh, I think with the, so we we're, we're local, our headquarters are in Mesa. And of course we serve a lot much larger geography than that, but like um, in Mesa, we have a great partnership with the city and um, just not that long ago, like, like during the holiday season, November, December, um, we held a couple of large like distribution events um, uh, for families to basically give them, you know, a joyful Thanksgiving or Christmas meal, um, mm-hmm. you know, during that time frame. Cause it's, if turkeys were expensive, you know, just another thing, you know, just to, to pay for. Um, and so I think with that, you know, the, the lines of cars that we saw during the early days of the pandemic for people picking up food, like, you know, that's what we saw again, mm-hmm. and, you know, there, and we saw like 15,000 people, you know, wow. during that, just during two days, um, we saw that many people. So, um, so we know like, you know, inflation is biting hard and they're reaching out to help. And so, uh, the food bank affects, but the inflation affects us too. Um, so we, you know, one of our core things as a food bank is, uh, we have buying power, meaning like we, for every dollar that's donated to us, we can create five meals out of that. And so that's great just in terms of like leveraging what our scale and our size can, can do. Um, but, you know, like prices have gone up and we're affected by that too. So um, so we've been engaging the community, I think, to just educate, uh, but also to inform like, you know, like the, the need is not going down and it's, it's still going up. Uh, we're set up to meet the need, but it does cost a little bit more. So we are asking for a, um, a bit more generosity from from folks to be able to support us uh, during during a time where where need is growing and inflation is is is, is harming families uh, to be able to provide food for their families. Yeah, and you've got a big campaign that's yeah. already up and running, but will continue yeah. to grow and gain steam. Talk to me about the summer of a million meals because that's a big lofty goal. Yeah, exactly. So this is a campaign we run for a few years, uh, where basically during the summertime, um, what you see is uh, child hunger goes up uh, more substantially. So if you think of a family who um, is, um, you know, uh, uh, lower on the financial spectrum or lower income, um, one in seven children in Arizona currently experience hunger and food insecurity across the state. But summer is the hardest part because a lot of these children, like they're on the free uh, lunch program or they're on the free breakfast program. And, uh, and so they get their meals at school. Uh, and so when school is not open, um, you know, which it's not every place has year round schooling, um, you know, that's when you start to see hunger appear. So, um, so I think we, you know, sort of, so try to step up, uh, during this time frame and then during the summer, uh, to be able to provide a, a million or more meals, um, during the summer for those children and for those families. Uh, cause I think if we can do that, you know, that will help, uh, families who need support during the summers to make sure their kids are fed. Are you a logistics guy? I feel like you would have to, to be able to run such an organization. Cause I'm just thinking about even the trucks. Like, do you have an, do you have any numbers in terms of how many trucks you're deploying every day? Yeah, we do. So yeah, so we, uh, we have like a fleet of trucks. Yeah, which yeah. they're all manner of sizes. Some are very large tractor trailer trucks. Some are called box trucks where they're a little smaller. All most all our trucks are refrigerated. Then we have these sprinter vans, which are smaller, but more nimble. I like can get around <laughs> this to the town too. So yes, logistics are definitely our, 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 our bag. That's for sure. So, but some of our trucks, they go as far, uh, very far into the Navajo and Apache counties. And so they literally, it's a four hour trek all the way there. Uh, so we bring a large, you know, uh, uh, semi truck uh, of food, you know, when we make those kinds of deliveries. So we do drive a, a lot, definitely, but we do have a fleet of about 25 different trucks that are always in operation, uh, at least Monday through Friday and sometimes on the weekends as well. So when you're going out to Navajo County and um, doing kind of more of the 
suburban areas or, or, you know, kind of the far out areas of Arizona. Are you going corner to corner of the state, by the way? Yeah. So no, uh, not fully corner to corner, but we do have a large area where we saw Pernal County, Gila County, uh, the East Valley here in Maricopa. Uh, and then we go into the Southern reaches of Navajo and Apache counties as well. So think of it, it's like the size of West Virginia. That was the size of our service area. Okay. I like yeah. that. I like that yes. analogy. <laughs> yes. So when you're going out there, are these trucks kind of serving as a mobile unit or do you have satellite kind of scattered sites? Yeah, so uh, often we work through local community partners who have local volunteers and local okay. organizations, so local churches. So usually, uh, while we some cases we've done some mobile work, um, often we try to have a really strong partner in those areas, and we look for those, and then we help them, uh, you know, become stronger to be able to support the needs of their community. Uh, so that means sometimes it means like we have to establish, you know, freezing, uh, like a freezer or a refrigerator or different things, uh, racking uh, to be able to support um, the food that we give them and to distribute it effectively too. So we offer those kind of capacity things uh, that allow them to make sure they can meet the needs too as well. Awesome. And what's kind of an average turnaround time? Because yeah. right, you're right. These fresh foods need to remain fresh. So what does that yeah. look like? Yeah. So yeah, typically we, what we want to do is like, we try to pick it up and deliver it on the same day uh, too. And we work with a lot of partners to um, also like, they have also vehicles and trucks too. And so we try to work as a network, as a partnership all together. Uh, so we try to basically pick it up, you know, bring it back the same day. Uh, and if you can give it out the same day, great. And sometimes it's more, it'll take a day to sort it out. And then the next day it goes, but that's why we invest in the refrigeration, freezing, mm -hmm. things like that, just so they can hold that fresh food uh, a little bit longer and it stays fresh. Uh, and that way, uh, very little goes to waste. How have you seen the landscape of food insecurity change over time? Inflation is, is the one that's like blaring right in our faces, but what are yeah. some that might go overlooked if they weren't, you know, working in the space in the way that you have? Yeah, I think um, it's uh, it's it's been challenging, I think, since the Great Recession, you know, certainly mm -hmm. that really created a large spike um, in need. And um, as things got better, it started to to go down, you know, just bit by bit by bit. Um, but um, the, you know, the amount of people weren't getting necessarily pay raises, or they weren't necessarily kind of keeping up with even the 2% inflation that was there um, with their own with their own income. So you kind of saw always a steady amount of people, if not growing up a little bit uh, during the end of the last decade. And of course, the pandemic really just, you know, took that to uh, a brand new level uh, in terms of just the amount of people. And I think what the pandemic showed, and I, we heard this from city officials here in Mesa, but also in other uh, cities here in the East Valley and other communities too, um, is that like it really opened people's eyes to what the need truly was because mm -hmm. people came out of the woodwork um, and then came to these larger central distribution places. And we often had, you know, people from the city volunteering their own time just, you know, to help um, during, during the early days of the pandemic. But you saw how many people actually needed support during yeah. that time. So that was an, a visual cue. And it also enabled a lot of cities to want to partner with us much more closely because they now see and self saw kind of what the need truly was like. Really? It, it is. It's kind of a an invisible population, an invisible situation that sometimes bubbles up to the surface, which it can be a good thing, especially when we're talking about kind of in the advocacy space. Do you work at all in the advocacy space? It sounds like you're working a lot with city officials and, and kind of government officials. 
Yeah, we do. Um, so we work on, yeah, one is just like raising awareness, um, you know, because obviously people uh, come and go um, from different roles uh, within either uh, public officials and government. Our state government has changed, of course, administration. So we want to make sure we're always part of the conversation to say like, you know, there's um, there is a, a good bit of need out there, uh, but we're set up to help, you know, to, to support that need. Uh, but we also need your their support too in order to make sure that we work together to to build solutions. Um, I think for for us, I think too, like we, you know, we're trying to break the cycles of hunger, um, and so some people's cycles are short. You know, um, it's basically I just need to meet this need now, and I've got a job interview lined up, and I'm ready to go. You know, uh, you know, pretty soon, and that's that's great, and it's intermittent. Uh, for others, it's longer. You know, and uh, it takes more time and more visits and. How do we set you up? So we're trying to like start with like you know meeting the um, immediate needs for someone in our community who's experiencing hunger. Um, so how do we sort of do that? Make sure we're, we're meeting that, um, strengthening the their needs of today. Uh, but that means maybe getting them to food stability so they have enough food to to meet those needs. But then how do you strengthen their future? You know, a family, a senior, others, so they can meet their food needs of tomorrow too. So mm-hmm. that's economic security. You know, and so as we as a food bank are evolving for the future. Uh, we think about things like workforce development, employment assistance, job training, um, you know, or signing you up for healthcare benefits like access here in Arizona. Um, so that way we can, people can sustainably buy groceries for the longer term to meet their needs of tomorrow as well. So are you offering those programs, kind of the economic security type programs within the food bank too? Not yet. So being okay. 90 days in, we're, we're kind of we're early, uh, but that's where we're headed. Uh, I think just to help do those things. Um, I think uh, it's important to, to think about like, yes, of course, we got to make sure you have your, your, your food that you need to feed your family now. Uh, but, and, and, to, and to make sure you feel stable about that. But then yes, like how do we sort of wrap around someone think of it from a holistic standpoint? Um, so that way you don't have to come back, you know, or at least not for a while um, so that you have more stability to buy groceries at the store. <laughs> well, I'm grilling you. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good question, though. You're right. Yeah, we're getting there, though. <laughs> we need to grill you because my next question, I'm just so curious, is yeah. I feel like you've been here for 10 years. Like, you're so mm. comfortable and well-versed. So my question was, what's next? 90 days in, like, what is your big lofty goal for a year in? Yeah. So I think, um, you know, it, it is kind of just set up those things to think holistically about any neighbor who's experiencing need and setting up those supports. And so setting ourselves up for the long term. But we also know like, yeah, we to meet the even the t- needs of today, we still have to grow, you know, too. So mm-hmm. there's more food to be rescued and we're going to work on that. Uh, but there's also other things like you think of like different types of people who are experiencing need, say, a working parent, maybe they're single parents who has two kids or working two jobs. And, um, you know, we give off like, you know, right, your canned food, your produce, your, your boxed goods. Um, but I don't have time to cook if I'm working two jobs. That, that's really hard. Um, and so I can do that, you know, sometimes, but maybe not all the time. So can you provide different types of like ready to eat, you know, types of meals? Um, so things like that, we're exploring uh, just different options there to provide support uh, for, for people who need it. But I hope a year from now, like, yeah, we're, we have more of those supports in place. We also have, uh, we, and this is my, my predecessor had led an effort to buy our a property next door to us um, too, which is um, several acres and, uh, 
um, it's a it's an old uh, uh, Rosalita, I think, bean and tortilla factory. And so uh, from there, I think we're we're planning, we're exploring like how we could renovate that building um, and then provide more supports, uh, you know, for for the community too. So that's still a couple of years out, but um, I think we're looking at that as also another opportunity for us to to grow as an organization to meet the community's needs. I have faith in you. I mean, yeah. I might be making you sweat, but I have faith in you. <laughs> Thank you, Jordan. <laughs> how can how can our listeners help? How can we as a society kind of break some of those stereotypes? How can we help you in the advocacy space? You know, what can we do? Yeah, I think um, I think uh, first of all, of course, you know, we welcome your support, especially during summer of a million meals and our campaign again. So I think we're um, uh, we can take any one dollar you give us, and we'll turn that into to five meals. Um, and know that when you give a gift to us, you know, people will have food tomorrow because you gave today. And any dollar you give us, we put right to work uh, and start and start making sure that gets into uh, families' hands quickly um, too. So um, I think it's important for us to make sure that you know anyone that knocks on our door or knocks on our the door of one of our partners, um, you know, and, and they come to us sometimes because they don't have anywhere else to go and they don't know where else to go to get food too. So, um, so we feed them, you know, and that's our job. And, uh, and so we're grateful to be able to do that. Uh, but we rely on the support of the community to be able to do that. So donations are definitely appreciated this summer. We also welcome volunteers too. So we have a volunteer center uh, in, in Mesa as well, uh, too. So we do have, uh, we do need support there as well. So as we bring in um, large quantities of food. Um, most of our partners aren't going to take large pallets of that type of stuff. So um, basically, we need uh, support to break it down uh, into smaller bags, smaller boxes, things like that, um, to be able to, to then we kind of give that to our partners, and they can give that to families who need it. So those are just two things for sure that we welcome support on. And as you, you know, as you've heard from me today, like, um, certainly raising awareness that, you know, hunger is is a, is a growing issue. Um, and, um, it's important we, we take steps, you know, as a community together to be able to meet that need. So we welcome that type of sort of public support, um, from our community as well. Amazing. Unitedfoodbank.org is the website to go in for volunteerism, to make a donation. Where else can a dollar make such an impact? You know, like I I can barely feed myself for a dollar. So (laughs) being able to, for every dollar to offer five meals to families, it's amazing. Thank you so much for the great work that you're doing in the community. 90 days in, you're doing a wonderful job and you're a wonderful human. I love talking to you. (laughs) Oh, wonderful, Jordan. Thank you so much. And thank you for having me today. I greatly appreciate it. All right. I want to give a very special thank you to my guests today and I want to thank you for being a part of the program and making our community an amazing place not just to live and to work but most importantly to play you can hear the valley now on the radio with audio on demand on radio station websites and the odyssey app my name is Jordan Moreno shine your light share your love and join us again next week right here on the valley now Odyssey celebrates Mother's Day, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.